Section 2 of A Year with the Saints Translated from the Italian by a member of the Order of Mercy This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese 16. We are not to regard great favors from God so much as virtues, but consider who serves the Lord with the greatest mortification, humility, and purity of conscience, for the latter without the former will be the more holy. St. Teresa where proofs of this truth wanting, the example of St. Vincent de Paul should be sufficient to confirm it. Very few extraordinary favors are recorded of him, yet he has been, and is now, regarded by all as a man of rare sanctity. Rufinus of Aquila tells of St. Macarius that at one time he believed himself to have made much progress in virtue, but one day, when at prayer, he heard a voice which said to him, Macarius, know that thou hast not attained as much virtue as two women who live at such a place macarius went instantly to find them and perceived upon examination that they possessed great merit for they had lived together for fifteen years in the same house in perfect union and charity without the slightest disagreement in word or act occurring between them the saint was amazed at this and confessed that they were in truth better and more perfect than he although he had been gifted by the divine goodness with many extraordinary favors. 17. Lord, what wilt thou have me do? There is the true token of a soul, absolutely perfect, when one has succeeded in leaving behind his own will to such a degree as no longer to seek, to aim, or to desire to do what he would will, but only what God wills. St. Bernard these were the first words of the Apostle St. Paul as he recognized the Lord. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And they were uttered by him with so much sincerity of affection and with such submission of will that from that day forward he had no other desire and no other aim than to fulfill the divine will in all and through all. Nor in all the adversities, labors, sufferings, and torments which he encountered was there ever a thing sufficient to diminish, or even in the least to shake, his constancy and fidelity? St. Jane Francis de Chantel has so great a desire to know and follow the divine will, that on merely hearing those words, divine will, she felt all on fire, as if a torch had been applied to her heart, and she remained in a kind of torture until she knew how she was to understand them. The Venerable Mother Serafina de Dio testifies of herself that the Lord showed her plainly, by an interior illumination, how good a thing it is to live without any will of one's own, and to commit oneself entirely to his holy will. I remain, she says, fully persuaded that on account of his greatness and perfection, it was the most suitable thing for all his creatures to have no other will than that of their most loving God, and that when one has reached this point, he belongs wholly to God, and enjoys paradise upon earth. 18. If you truly wish to make spiritual profit, you must apply yourself closely to that counsel of the Apostle. Attende tibi, take heed to thyself. This implies two things. The first is not to become entangled in others' affairs, or watchful as to their defects, since he has no little to do who wishes to manage his own affairs well and correct his own failures. The second is to take our own perfection to heart and attend to it incessantly without regarding whether others attend to theirs or not. For perfection is so purely individual a matter, though men who belong to the same order, company, family, or country, are here said to make one body, 
Yet, in the world above, it is certain that each one will be separate by himself, and carry his profits and losses to his own account. Abbot Pastor A rare pattern of this was St. John Birchman's. From his first entrance into religion, it had been his fixed intention to become a saint, and from the same time he made it his aim and his only important business to watch over himself, and to this, in fact, he gave his attention as long as he lived. He did this with such application and such unwearied earnestness that he did not even have time to think of others' occupations or to notice their defects. And thus he never stopped to reflect why others said or did so and so, or whether they did well or ill. Nor did he ever enlist in the defense of one with the danger of offending another. But let everyone go his own way and manage his own affairs for himself. As to the faults of others, he thought of them so little that even when they were committed in his presence, he did not notice them, and it was said of him that he was not able to tell what errors the others committed. All his care was to correct his own defects and to perform his own actions well, and so the pains he took to keep his soul clear of every fault were something extraordinary. For besides carefully making the daily examines and most rigorous retreat of one day in each month, he often and urgently entreated his superiors and companions to keep their eyes upon him and inform him of anything they might see amiss. And when counsel of that kind was given him, he received it as a peculiar favor and offered special prayers for whoever gave it. But not content with this, as he had an ardent desire to render himself as pleasing as possible in the eyes of God, he employed every effort to this end. Therefore he devoted himself with admirable diligence to the most exact observance of his rules to executing promptly and faithfully whatever was imposed on him by obedience, to performing well and with particular devotion the spiritual exercises as things which immediately concern the honor of God and one's own profit, paying most attention of all to his communions, to which he always gave two hours, and finally to practicing all virtues, especially charity towards the sick. Though he had great fondness for study, he never allowed it to stand in the way of his spiritual exercises, nor of charity or obedience, for his heart did not seek for what afforded most delight, but most merit, and he did all these things without noticing at all whether others did the same, or failed in them, because one precept, attendi tibi, ever remained planted deeply in his heart. What harm does it cause the other apostles now that the unhappy Judas remains suffering in hell? All the loss falls upon Judas alone. And if Birchmans be higher in heaven than so many others who were his companions in religion, is not all the gain his? Do not let any occasion of gaining merit pass without taking care to draw some spiritual profit from it, as, for example, from a sharp word which someone may say to you, from an act of obedience imposed against your will, from an opportunity which may occur to humble yourself, or to practice charity, sweetness, and patience. All these occasions are gain for you, and you should seek to procure them. And at the close of that day, when the greatest number of them have come to you, you should go to rest most cheerful and pleased, as the merchant does on the day when he has had most chance for making money. For on that day business has prospered with him. St. Ignatius Loyola It was one of the principal maxims which St. John Birchman's kept fixed in his mind, as we read in his life, to endeavor to gain merit in everything, and not to let any occasion, however small, escape, if it could be profitable to him. For this reason he continually went in search of such occasions, 
and when they came to him from others he embraced them all with courage and heartfelt joy without ever remarking the want of discretion and virtue which they betrayed in others attending only to his own advancement and humility and so from whatever he heard or saw he was always wont to derive some good fruit for himself and in this way he attained to the condition of a saint which was precisely what he desired when st matilda was visited by the lord accompanied by many saints one of them said to her oh how blessed are you who still live upon earth on account of the great merit you can acquire if a man knew how much he could merit in a day at the moment he arose in the morning his heart would be filled with joy because the day had appeared in which he could live to his lord and by his grace increase so greatly his honor and glory and his own merit this would give him great confidence and strength to do and suffer everything with extreme satisfaction we read of St. Francis Saviour that he was slain with shame and self-reproach when he found that merchants had gone to Japan with their merchandise sooner than he himself with the treasure of the gospel to spread the faith and extend the kingdom of heaven. 20. Give yourself in earnest to the acquisition of virtue, otherwise you will remain always a dwarf in it. Never believe that you have acquired a virtue if you have not made proof of it in resisting its contrary vice and unless you practice it faithfully on suitable occasions, which, for this reason, ought never to be avoided, but rather desired, sought and embraced with eagerness. St. Teresa St. Vincent de Paul was not contented, as so many are, with knowing and loving virtues, but he applied himself continually to the practice of them. It was his maxim that labor and patience are the best means of acquiring and planting them firmly in our hearts and that virtues acquired without effort or difficulty can be easily lost, while those which have been beaten by the storms of temptation and practiced amid the difficulties and repugnances of nature sink their roots deep into the heart. And so, on such occasions, instead of being sad, he appeared unusually cheerful. When a certain person was lamenting a mischance which had recently occurred, as likely to give bad opinions of his community and give rise to comments injurious to himself, he replied, This is good, for it will give us a more favorable occasion to practice virtue. By this same sentiment, St. Philip Neri encouraged his penitents not to grieve when they suffer temptations and trials, telling them that when the Lord intends to confer on any one some particular virtue, he is accustomed to permit him to be first assailed by the contrary vice. St. Francis de Sales illustrates the firmness of virtue in this manner. If, said he, the world comes to attack me, I will treat it as I would a viper, I will trample it underfoot, and obey none of its suggestions. If Satan arms his powers, I will not fear them at all. I am stronger than he. God is my father, and he will have compassion on me, and will fight for me. Here is a fine example of virtue, and of the way to exercise it. 21. Humility and charity are the two master chords, one the lowest, the other the highest. All the others are dependent on them. Therefore, it is necessary, above all, to maintain ourselves in these two virtues. For, observe well that the preservation of the whole edifice depends on the foundation and the roof. St. Francis de Sales Although there never was, or can be, any saint destitute of these two most necessary virtues, yet there have been some who, in our eyes at least, have seemed to excel in their brightness. One of these was certainly St. Francis de Paula. Through his great humility, 
he was not contented with considering himself the least of all men but he also desired that this should be the mark distinguishing his order from all others and as to charity he was so inflamed with love that he sometimes lit candles by touching them with his finger just as if he had applied to them a burning torch twenty two the two feet upon which one walks to perfection are mortification and the love of god the latter is the right the former the left foot by the aid of these st francis of sissy climbed to the loftiest perfection he led a life so austere and rigid that at the point of death he felt that he must ask pardon of his body for having treated it so ill and his love of god was so remarkable that he gained not only for himself but for his order as well the noble title of seraphic when st francis de sales wished to lead any one to live in a christian manner and renounce worldliness he would not speak of the exterior of the adornment of the hair of rich dress and similar things but he spoke only to the heart and of the heart for he knew that if this fortress is captured all else surrenders and that when the true love of god comes to possess a heart all that is not god seems to it of no account st philip neri adopted the same course as his penitence he was not accustomed to dwell very much upon any vanities and threats, but he would overlook them as much as possible for some time, that he might more easily arrive at his object. When a lady once asked him whether it was a sin to wear very high heels, his only answer was, Take care not to fall. A man also came frequently to see him wearing a collar with long stiff points. One day he touched him lightly on the neck and said, I would oftener give you such marks of friendship if your collar did not hurt my hand. And with these reproofs alone both corrected their faults. A clergyman of noble birth, dressed in bright colors and with much dignity, came to the saint every day for a fortnight to consult him in regard to the affairs of his soul. During all this time he said not a word to him in regard to his dress, but only took pains to make him feel compunction for his sins. Finally, becoming ashamed of his style of dress, he changed of his own accord, made a good general confession, and giving himself wholly into St. Philip's hands, became afterwards one of his most intimate and familiar friends. 23. When one is going on really well, he feels in himself a continual desire to advance, and the more he grows in perfection, the more this desire grows. Since his light is increasing every day, it always seems to him that he has no virtue and is doing no good or if perhaps he sees that he has and is doing some good it yet appears to him very imperfect and he makes little account of it and so it comes to pass that he always goes on laboring for the acquisition of virtue without ever being weary st lawrence justinian st fulgentius was so enamored of perfection that whatever he did towards it always seemed to him little and he was always desiring to do better st vincent de paul every day saw more of his own faults yet he continually applied anew all his zeal to amend and perfect himself st ignatius constantly compared one day with another and the gain on one day with the gain on another thus he advanced daily and entertained a constant desire of advancing still more that he might reach the summit of perfection to which god called him st james the apostle received great praise because he went on advancing daily in the divine service twenty four to be pleased at correction and reproofs show that one loves the virtues which are contrary to those faults for which he is corrected and reproved 
and, therefore, it is a great sign of advancement and perfection. St. Francis de Sales When a monk once visited the abbot Serapion, he suggested that, first of all, they should pray together. But the visitor refused, saying that he was a great sinner and unworthy to wear the habit. A little while after, the abbot addressed him thus, My brother, if you wish to become perfect, remain at work in your cell, and do not talk much, for going about a great deal is not desirable for you. At these words the monk was not a little perturbed. When the abbot perceived this, he added, What is the matter, brother? A moment ago you said you were so great a sinner that you were not worthy to live, and now, when I have shown you, in charity, what you need, are you angry? From this it would seem that your humility is not genuine. If you wish to be humble in truth, learn to receive admonitions humbly. At this reproof the monk recollected himself, acknowledged his fault, and went away greatly edified. The Empress Leonora requested her confessor and those ladies of her court, with whom she was most intimate, that when they observed anything in her that needed amendment or improvement, to inform her of it with all possible freedom, as they would tell her the pleasantest news. And when they did it, she thanked them very cordially. When St. Peter was reproved by St. Paul, he was not angry, neither did he stand upon his dignity as superior, or look down upon the other for having been a persecutor of the church, but received the advice in good part. We read of St. Ambrose that when anyone informed him of a fault, he thanked him as for a special favor, and there was a certain Cistercian who was especially pleased at an admonition, and used to say in Our Father for whoever gave it. St. John Birchman's always entertained a great desire to have his faults told him in public, and to be reproved for them, and if this ever happened, he was much pleased. With this intention, he used to write them on scraps of paper, which he gave to the superiors, that they might read them and reprimand him for them. Not content with this, he asked of the superior that four of his companions might keep their eyes on him and admonish him. One of these testified that, having once drawn his attention to a slight omission into which he had fallen, on account of being occupied in another work of charity at the time, he thanked him cordially for the warning, and said the beads for him three times, promising that he would always do the same whenever he would inform him of any defect. 25. The firmest assurance that we can have in this world of being in the grace of God does not consist at all in sentiments of love to Him, but in complete and irrevocable abandonment of our whole being into His hands, and in the firm resolution never to consent to any sin, either great or small. St. Francis de Sales We read in old chronicles of a young lady who was so severely afflicted that she seemed to be suffering the pains of hell. After remaining for a long time in this state, she, one day, turned her whole heart to God in this prayer. My sweetest Lord, only remember that I am a poor creature of thine. For the rest, do with me what pleases thee, now and through eternity. I abandon myself into thy hands, and am ready to suffer these torments as long as it shall please thee. This act of resignation, which she made from her heart with all sincerity, was so pleasing to God that it was scarcely finished when he united her to himself, and immersed her blissfully in the immense ocean of his divinity. St. Catherine of Genoa said, I am no more my own, whether I live or die. I am my Saviour's. I have no longer any possession or interest of my own. 
my god is all my being consists in being wholly his o world thou art always the same and until now i have been always the same but from this time forth i will be such no longer twenty six let us learn from jesus in the manger to hold the things of the world in such esteem as they deserve st francis de sales the venerable beatrice of nazareth saw in a vision the whole system of the universe beneath her feet and god alone above her head so that she was standing as it were between god and the world the world beneath god above and she herself in the middle by this time she understood that the height of perfection is gained when one has over his head only god and all else under his feet making no more account of it than if it did not exist placing all his love and interest in god and nothing else not even himself except in god st hedwig queen of poland after becoming a nun would never mention or listen to any worldly news unless it concerned the honor of god and the salvation of souls twenty seven if you wish for a method brief and compendious one which contains in itself all other methods and is most efficacious in conquering all temptations and difficulties and acquiring perfection this is the exercise of the presence of god st basil a priest who was an intimate friend of the same saint basil suffered many severe temptations and many grievous threats from julian the apostate but always held his ground firmly against him he himself assigned this reason for the victory it was because he said and all that time so far as i remember the divine presence never escaped my mind joseph when solicited to evil replied how shall i do this under the eye of god and Susanna said, It is better for me to fall into your hands without fault than to sin in the sight of God. St. Ephraim, being solicited to sin by a woman of evil life, professed his readiness, provided the scene of their transgression should be the public square. But when the woman objected to this condition, on account of the shame it would involve, Then, replied the saint, You fear shame before the eyes of men, and do you not fear it before the angels of God? By this consideration he brought about her conversion. When Thais learned that God beheld her in the commission of a sin, she resisted a thousand temptations and became a saint. 28. To be able to advance much in perfection, it is necessary to apply ourselves to one thing by itself, to a single book of devotion, to a single spiritual exercise, to a single aspiration, to a single virtue, and so on not indeed that all other things ought to be quite rejected and passed by but in such a way that this to which one is applying himself may usually be aimed at more in particular and as the special object of the most frequent effort so that if one chance to turn to others these may be like accessories to do otherwise by passing from one exercise to another is to imitate those who spoil their appetite at a banquet by tasting a little of every delicacy it is perpetually seeking and ever attaining the science of the saints and so it results in losing that tranquillity of spirit in god which is the one thing needed that mary chose we must however guard ourselves here from one fault into which many fall it is that of attaching ourselves too much to our own practices and spiritual exercises this naturally makes us feel dislike for all methods not conformed to our own for each one thinks that he employs the only suitable one 
and considers as imperfect those who do not work in the same way. Whoever has a good spirit draws edification from everything and condemns nothing. St. Francis de Sales Although the saints profited by everything, yet each of them chose some practice of his own, in which he exercised himself particularly. For example, the favorite author of St. Francis de Sales was Scipuli, that of St. Dominic, Cassian. The most frequent ejaculation of St. Francis was, My God is my all. That of St. Vincent de Paul, In the name of the Lord. That of St. Bruno, Oh, goodness! Some had the presence of God for their spiritual exercise, some purity of intention, some resignation to the divine will, and others the renunciation of themselves. The same was the case with regard to the virtues. One had a greater love for one virtue, another for another. Whence it happened that almost all excel particularly in some special virtue. St. Catherine of St. Anna, in regarding these various preferences of good souls, disapproved of none of them, but rather rejoiced that the Lord should be served in so many in such different ways. 29. If you wish to arrive speedily at the summit of perfection, animate yourself to a true love of shame, insults, and calumny. St. Ignatius. As this saint was meditating one day on the great advantages which spring from shame and insults, he conceived a vehement desire to go through the public squares of Rome loaded with rags and other rubbish, and he was restrained from carrying it into execution only by the fear that he might not afterwards be as well able to promote the glory of God. We read of St. Catherine of Bologna that when she met with any slight or insult, she rejoiced at it, and it only increased her desire for more. By this she advanced so much in the love of God that she would have been willing, as she herself protested, to endure not only all the trials of this world, but even the pains of hell, to obey his will. St. Gregory relates of the abbot Stephen that he had conceived so great a love for insults, calumnies, and vexations, that when he received any, he thought that he had made great profit, and returned affectionate thanks to whoever gave them to him, and by this he attained such reputation for sanctity, that whoever did him any harm felt sure that he had secured his friendship. 30. Place thyself under the discipline of a stern and austere man, who will treat thee harshly and with rigor, and then strive to drink in all his reproofs and ill-treatment, as one would drink milk and honey, and I assure thee that in a little time thou wilt find thyself on the pinnacle of perfection. Abbot Moses It is related in the lives of the fathers that the abbot John diligently and affectionately served one of the old fathers, who was ill, for a period of twelve years. Though this father saw what severe and long fatigue the abbot was enduring, he never gave him one gentle or amiable word, but always treated him with harshness. But when he was dying, he called for the abbot, and, taking him by the hand, said to him three times, Abide in God. And then he recommended him to the fathers, saying, This is not a man, but an angel. 31. As it is most certain that the teaching of Christ cannot deceive, if we would walk securely, we ought to attach ourselves to it with the greatest confidence, and to profess openly that we live according to it, and not to the maxims of the world, which are all deceitful. This is the fundamental maxim of all Christian perfection. St. Vincent de Paul. This was, indeed, the ordinary chosen basis upon which this saint himself established his own life, 
and in which he found all his confidence and peace. Whenever he felt that he was supported by a holy maxim, he went on courageously, passing over his own judgment and all human respect, or fear that his conduct might meet with blame or opposition. St. Francis de Sales was often blamed by his friends, as they did not approve of his course in not sustaining his dignity, and defending himself more vigorously against the attacks of the malevolent. He replied to them that mildness ought to be the characteristic of bishops, and so, although the world itself has established maxims of another kind, he did not wish to make use of them, because they were contrary to those of Jesus Christ, in conformity to which he had always gloried. End of section 2